0: Well, yes, indeed. Where I grew up in southeastern Ohio when I was a kid, that was just about the national anthem. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. This is the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley, and I was unfortunately at a talk this afternoon at Rackham called Leaks, Whistleblowers, and Big Data. Very interesting stuff. So Jim may have attempted to call me, and I wasn't a, a, at home. Uh, by the way, this was a very interesting um, presentation um, made by the, and I'll just mention this right right off the bat because you can look this up online somehow. Uh, the Wallace House um, is a University of Michigan journalistic uh, entity that basically houses fellows, fellowships as they call them. These are professional journalists who basically take uh, six to, to eight to 12 months off to uh, study a particular issue that's of interest to them. And this was a fascinating uh, panel of, of uh, journalists that worked on the Panama pa- Papers uh, story and the Luxembourg leak and the Swiss leaks, and most of these uh, panelists are from abroad. They were part of the um, journalistic endeavor, the collaborative endeavor across borders that exposed the Panama Papers, and I guess I'll just make a brief comment about the Panama Papers. In my opinion, that was one of the most undercovered stories here in the United States uh, this past year. Basically, a international consortium of investigative journalists uh, based in Washington, D.C., ironically, but uh, with branches all over the globe, worked on these Panama Papers, as they were called. And, of course, the Panama Papers originated as a, a story about leaks, <laughs> uh, essentially a... Um, a person, an individual who's yet to be identified, uh, worked in a law firm in Panama. Panama has been a uh, tax evasion haven for many, many years. And what the Panama Papers basically exposed were the connections between the powerful global corporate and government interests and this incredible international uh, conspiracy to evade taxes. Uh, Of course, Bermuda is a tax haven. Um, The Cayman Islands is another one that we know about. Switzerland has been used as a tax haven, and so has Luxembourg. So this was an absolutely fascinating um, panel discussion by the Wallace House um, entity. Uh, You can look them up at Twitter, Wallace House, uh, or at U of M Knight Wallace. This is the journalistic entity that uh, featured this talk, and you can probably find something on social media that simulcast regarding their presentation, because I found it very interesting and, of course, particularly relevant to all of the stuff going on right now involving debates about leaks. Uh, What are leaks? How how does that create news? Um, Famous examples throughout American history, of course, are well-known. And here on Gray Matters, we've talked about this for years. Uh, One of my favorite Watergate tapes is Richard Nixon going, Bob, Bob, let's have some fun. Let's start leaking. We can play that game, too. And, of course, Nixon is in, in this particular segment, I didn't bring my Nixon book with me, is bragging about how he brought down Alger Hiss, claiming that we convicted Hiss in the newspapers before the trial ever came up. With yes. leaks. With leaks. And, of course, leaks have been were being used against Nixon, but it's well known that uh, leaks are used by presidents to get their story out. And, of course, uh, Donald Trump on Thursday afternoon had one of the most uh, <laughs> infamous press conferences in American history, I would say. Um, it was a doozy. It's uh, it, it's the kind of thing that you can just play the whole hour every week and have a very good understanding of what President Trump is all about. Because uh, what we're talking about here is a man— Uh, in need of uh, help. Well, it's like a door with one hinge that's coming loose. Now, David Brooks, of course, is a conservative journalist that's talked repeatedly about the fact that Donald Trump is unhinged. Uh, Trump, of course, is playing a kind of strange uh, game that he continues to play. Last week, of course, the big story uh, throughout the beginning of the week was the unbelievably rapid departure of his national security advisor, Michael Flynn, who was used as a goon on the campaign trail throughout the uh, 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 2016 presidential election as an attack dog against Hillary Clinton. His uh, most infamous uh, phrase, of course, was extremist Islamic terrorism. He was upset that the Obama administration had dropped that phrase, that terminology from their discussion of that issue. And uh, <clears throat> he uh, was a three-star general appointed to head up the National Security Council. That's what the National Security Advisor does. His proclivity for retweeting fake news didn't yeah. get in his way of being confirmed? He had a lot of problems, to say the least. Uh he was a little bit of a cross between Jack the Ripper and General Buck Turchison. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Strangelove, Long May It Rain, I think one of the greatest movies of all time for a variety of reasons, but... Michael Flynn uh, hit the uh, hit the hay well, after 24
1: sort of, days. After 24 days, and he did sort of lob a little bit of a grenade behind him. Oh, yeah. Too, by saying that, well, there's others.
0: Right. And, of course, the, the, the real story about why he uh, had to fall on his sword, because Donald Trump, of course, defended him as a good guy. I think he said that repeatedly. Uh, he talked about his uh, poll numbers and his... Electoral college performance repeatedly. Talked about Hillary Clinton repeatedly for some bizarre reason. I think I heard a journalist uh, note that she was mentioned 17 times in his press conference. <laughs> very strange stuff. Uh, Donald Trump is sort of lost in a time warp.
1: Well, on the next very next day, Friday, uh, he went out on the
0: campaign trail. Yeah, back to campaign mode. And, of course, the National Security Advisor... Uh, was created in 1947. Uh, We're in the uh, 70th anniversary of the creation of the so-called national security state. Uh, We're hearing this phrase, by the way, uh, the big state, the secret state, the state behind allegedly the leaks. Um, I don't necessarily believe that. I think that Michael Flynn got in trouble within the inner circle of the White House. I think that the leakers were probably banning Jared Kushner, and Ivanka Trump. <laughs> he was already causing problems for the Donald, the big Donald. And I think that this uh, line to Mike Pence uh, was obviously an infraction that could not go unpunished, so to speak. But uh, the truth about what was leaked to who and when has yet to be discovered. Um, that's an autopsy that will... We'll have to evaluate it at a later date. I'm not weeping for the departure of, Don, of Michael Flynn, but I am somewhat troubled that Donald Trump's short list consists of three more generals. And John Bolton. And John Bolton, who I like to call Cotton Mather. Uh, he, of course, is one of the neoconservatives who was so brilliant in his uh, presentation to the American people of the danger of Saddam Hussein uh, the United States, of course, still in Iraq. Uh, and we're even participating in the liberation of Mosul, so to speak. That's going on as well, we speak. One of these military uh, guys on the short list
1: is uh, Lieutenant General Robert Caslin, who is superintendent of the Military Academy at West Point. He's, He's an a academic bunk.
0: administrator. He's a bunk bed man. He <laughs> <His, laughs> He yeah. runs around and sees if sees if your shoes are properly spit and shined, right. probably. I, I don't
1: know what I don't his know. expertise is. Investigating uh, freshman hazing, I'm not sure you know, what his particular uh, <laughs> expertise in national security is. But in this article, uh, Peter Baker and Maggie Haberman's article about these four in Today's Times, uh, there's a paragraph down the bottom that says, In private conversations, the president has praised Mr. Bolton and has noted that many people want him to pick General McMaster although Mr. Trump seemed convinced that the general had said something unflattering about him during last year's campaign, according to associates who asked not to be identified sharing private conversations. That last little bit of information is quite interesting. Well, McMaster... There are flies on the wall. Oh, yeah. And some of this stuff, these are where the leaks are coming from.
0: And, of course, this phrase, the deep state, um, is now being tossed around that they're... There are uh, microphones and the, even even the president's being bugged. I'll get into that just in, in one second, because it is fascinating how Trump has created a new narrative uh, regarding this theory that the intelligence agencies are out to get him. Um, well, perse persecution complex is always a healthy one. I know it's starting to sound a little like Jack the Ripper here. <laughs> You're only paranoid when you when you think everybody's out to get you, <laughs> and you discover that everybody is. Uh, but, by the way, McMaster, in my opinion, is eminently qualified for that position. He is actually a military uh, expert. He is a
1: strategist, a tactician.
0: He is, and That's... he's most famous, by the way, for uh, writing a very penetrating post-Vietnam analysis for why we lost. Um, that's his claim to fame. He's an intellectual. We've had, um, national security advisors that have been real intellectuals, uh, Henry Kissinger and new Brzezinski come to mind. Uh, they also had a lot of power. Um, I don't see the national security advisor having a lot of power, to be quite frank with you. It seems that the power rests with Bannon and the Trumpster himself. um, As for this new theory that the deep state or the big state or the secret state, whatever you want to call it, is out to undo Donald Trump and overturn the will of the voters, uh, I'm not too sure that that's been established yet. And this, by the way, is a theory that was articulated in a book called Silent Coup about the undoing of Richard Nixon. This theory being that it was actually a CIA plot to get rid of Richard Nixon. This was a counter narrative, a counterfactual narrative that ignored all of the shenanigans of Richard Nixon: the taping, the bugging, the break-ins. The evidence of which was copious and egregious. The lying, the whole thing. Henry, get on your knees with me. We we need to pray. Um. Adults uh, in the government do remain. I have always found it quite notable that the very, very first cabinet official to be sworn in following Donald Trump's inauguration was General Mattis, Secretary of Defense. He, by the way, was approved by the Congress, 98 to 1, Um I believe uh, Gillibrand might have voted against her on, out of principle, in which she basically said that we should not have generals running the Pentagon. But I think when you have too many generals running the American government, we do have a problem here, Houston. <laughs> uh, there are too many generals, and uh, in in the in the Trump cabinet, and too many wannabe generals. Uh, I'm not too sure what. You know, uh, Steve Bannon, by the way, has uh, limited military experience, but he has uh, been allowed to sit in on the National Security Council. He leads a rich fantasy life, that boy. (laughs) Yeah. He's uh, a strange fellow, to say the least. And, of course, the fact that he would even be elevated to the National Security Council has been problematic for numerous people that are actually officially in it. Of course, the notion that Donald Trump when he asserted that the government the the first several weeks of his presidency have been a finely tuned machine huh
1: well if he's comparing it to a commodore vic 20 early computer
0: perhaps. <laughs> a hoop and i don't a stick is he tuning the, what tuning the kind machine of with, machine is this with a tuning fork or, or what uh no, it's been chaos. It's a sputtering lawnmower. It's been, it's been a disaster. It's been disgraceful. Some of Donald Trump's
2: uh,
0: own words, and of course, Donald Trump has emerged as a <gasps> demagogue. H.L. Mencken, I love this. Says that a demagogue is one who preaches doctrines he knows to be untrue to men he knows to be idiots. That sums it up right there, and for Donald Trump to be having yet another campaign rally, uh, he had a lot of these, by the way, during his transition period. Uh, one of the most famous being it—it uh, it ended up in in Mobile, Alabama, with uh, with uh, Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions. Oh, and the powdered wig cotillion and the azalea trail ball girls, or whatever they're called. I mean, this this whole photograph. This was reef this was another photograph from, from from uh earlier in the uh best of hits tour with Donald Trump. It's scary stuff and of course the getting back very briefly to this silent coup book uh and I I'm drawing a blank on the actual authors of this book. This book came out in the eighties. Uh one of the authors is a guy named Caldini. Um, anyway, it posited that the actual Watergate uh, conspiracy, quote unquote, was perpetrated by a member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, a certain Admiral Moore, who placed in Nixon's inner sanctum <laughs> a very dark chamber, indeed. <laughs> A certain guy named uh, Admiral Moore placed a spy in the inner sanctum of the Richard Nixon White House, uh, a uh, naval officer by the name of Charles Radford. And uh, when the Houston plan, which was vetoed by J. Edgar Hoover, the Houston plan, of course, was Nixon's desire to... uh, Basically take the CIA under his wing, under the White House wing. And we saw how that turned (laughs) out.
1: That book was written by Len Kolodny and Robert Gatlin. There you go. And amongst its claims are that John Dean orchestrated the burglary. Yeah. It's got a
0: fanciful theory about... It's uh, an ex post facto reconstruction of some of the facts. Some of the facts are true and interesting, but a lot, the main, one of the main th- theses is that John Dean was covering up a w- prostitution ring. And, of course, we know that the actual break-in of the Watergate Hotel uh, had nothing to do with prostitutes. It had to do with the, G. Gordon-Liddy. And the committee to reelect the president. The creep. And it was G. Gordon-Liddy and uh, uh, E. Howard Hunt. Uh, they were worried about a malfunctioning mic that wasn't working too well. Instead, they were getting information from one of the other telephones that, interestingly, consisted of a lot of uh, dating gossip. Secretarial pool. And weekend, Hanky Pinky. Hunt, <laughs> he knows too much. <laughs> yeah, Indeed.
1: Well, this is yet another attempt by the Trump management industries, whatever we want to call this corporate entity, yeah. with the pumpkin face uh, to reconstruct the narrative so that now he's a persecuted victim of the intelligence agencies.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's, it's the warning. In other words, it's laying the, the foundation of the, quote, conspiracy it's exceedingly troubling, by the way, when the president of the United States accuses the media. And that's a big word. There's a lot of media out there. And of course, there's fake news, one of my least favorite uh, terms these days. But the media is not the enemy of the people. Not in a democracy. That's actually a play by Henrik Ibsen. It's a good one, it's got some interesting themes. I don't know if Donald Trump has ever read it. Or even heard of Henrik Ibsen. But by God, what the hell is going on in Sweden? Yeah, right? (laughs) I mean... That was news to Sweden. It was news to Sweden, and they had a good laugh about it. They said that there was a report of a a real moose getting kind of amorous with a wooden moose. (laughs) And I thought, maybe that's Trump's problem. Melania's not there it's just the cardboard cutout and you're you're kind of going huh based on a loose report from fox news uh, when he was told about the electoral college mathematics. oh i was just giving that
1: information so he's not accountable yeah for anything that he says <laughs> uh, he's not responsible for having accurate data or figures at his fingertips. Nothing, yeah. He just shoots from the hip and wings it, and, uh, oh, well, uh, they, they gave you that info.
0: And, you know, I mean, some of the stuff is incredible. The, the the berating of the African-American reporter uh, when she asked about the black congressional caucus. Or the orthodox Jewish reporter. Offensive. Bizarre. Yeah. I am the least anti-Semitic person in the
1: world. Dude. <laughs> The question was prefaced with language that clearly indicated, I don't think that you are an anti-Semite. Right. But. But. And as soon as Trump hears the word but, it just shuts down. And the previous statement is, woo, it's gone. And uh, that's an outrageous question. Now, you were supposed to be a friendly reporter.
0: Right. He kept thinking of the wooden moose, I'm afraid, when he heard the word But. <laughs>
1: Well, the one young – and, you know, the fact that a reporter from a newspaper that small, certainly not that the question wasn't a good one. It's a very good one. What is the administration going to do about the uptick in anti-Semitic vandalisms and and activities around the country? I'm still waiting for the answer to that question. Exactly. It's
0: a valid question. Uh, And he was even asked a little bit about it the day before when he he met with B.B., yeah, because you know what was interesting about that appearance, and by the way, Donald Trump has run out of dogs and ponies. Um, we can go down that list in a second, but he's met the prime minister of, uh, of, of uh, Great Britain, Canada, Japan. Japan already had a falling out with Australia, Germany, Mexico. Tillerson went straight to Russia. Bibi's been there. What uh, I don't know who else is on the list. The president of South Korea is holed up in the thing called the Blue House. She's being impeached. Uh, Prime Minister Modi in uh, Kim India. Kim Jong-un might be available. He might be available for a, a hair. Uh, him and Trump can exchange notes on hair. But the exchange with the African-American reporter was, was so outrageous. Do you want to set up the meeting? Do you know those guys? You know, kind <laughs> And she's like, yeah, you're black. You must know them. Yeah, it was like, no, 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 no. I'm trying to ask you a question about are you going to meet with the Black Congressional Caucus? Have you ever heard of the Black Congressional Caucus? And of course, you know, Donald Trump thinks Frederick Douglass is still alive. He denounced John Lewis uh, the weekend of Martin Luther King holiday uh, before he was president. Um, it's just well, amazing. The one,
1: yeah, I mean, the, the point I wanted to make about the orthodox reporter was that uh, it's unusual to get such small newspapers and sure. small media outlets be uh, given favorable treatment in the questioning. Time is limited in a presidential press conference, although not in this one. It seems like, oh, hey, we got extra time. Let's keep rolling. Um, so, I'm well, on a I, roll here. On the one hand, it's it's interesting <laughs> and... and Maybe a good thing to ask some smaller media outlets, uh, but to not even listen to the question or to go off on the reporter in either of these two ways the Orthodox reporter or the African American reporter. But then there's the 19 year old kid who started his own, like a neighborhood newspaper service thing. Uh, and he asked. Called a the question. Lemonade Stand. Yeah. He asked a question about. <laughs> who knows about what it was called? Melania. Yeah. And, oh, well, that's a great question, right? And and now Trump's happy, and yeah. now he's pouring his heart out, and he's got things to say. It's like, wait a minute, this isn't news. That's not even the feature <laughs> section of the newspaper. Right. Why is this a question at a presidential? This is a a tea party question. Sure. And I don't mean the angry pitchfork, Bob tea party. I mean
0: tea and crumpets party. Well, and the thing that was weird was he said, "I want a it's friendly not news. I want a friendly question." You know what what. The whole thing is just—it's a show. It's the gong show. Um, Yeah, and and some of the other comments, you know. I was given that information. Um, His his trouble with understanding, you know, he went on and on endlessly about, uh, you know, the fake media. And, of course, we've already seen in these uh, these dog-and-pony shows that what he does is he takes two questions. Usually one is uh, from a Washington right-wing newspaper— and then the other one is from the Christian Broadcasting Network. Uh, the networks, of course, are shut out. Um, he keeps calling the New York Times a failing newspaper when... Subscriptions are up. The evidence Big shows time. that both the Washington Post and New York Times have massive increases in, of, uh, of um, their circulation. And it just is amazing. I mean, this guy seems to be obsessed with what he looks like on TV. Does this guy actually do anything as president other than watch himself on TV? He seemed, At one point, he got into an exchange with the CNN fellow um, and said, I never watch it. And then he, two minutes later, corrected himself and admitted that he watched it. Um, and then he said that he loved Fox and Friends because they treat me fairly. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is like, you can just imagine Trump, you know, Richard Nixon at least farmed this work out to apparatchiks in the White House. It was their job to watch the media and how he was covered. Nixon would have gone crazy watching how the media covered him. Well,
1: in the brand new Mad Magazine, which I've been anxiously awaiting, and i urge listeners to uh, try and track a copy of this down. There's a, a real photo from the actual so-called Fox News uh, on the letters page of this new mad magazine, and uh, apparently during an in-depth Fox News profile, Donald Trump showed off his magazine table, which is featured here in this photograph, uh, which uh, shows stacks of every magazine cover he's appeared on, you know, like any sane, grounded person would have uh harvey levin pointed out what strikes me about this is that there are some that are not even particularly flattering but you've got them proudly displayed (laughs) including the cover of the previous mad magazine with his head exploding and a jump uh jack-in-the-box coming out and then esquire's hater in chief cover and these are all proudly displayed and trump's showing them here to this fox news guy look how important i am i'm on all these magazines.
0: All the magazines. He'll never read those magazines. <laughs> of course not. But uh, hey, that's me. That's me. I'm I'm there in the the shining lights, uh, and of course the real damage that was done last week, uh, besides the departure of Michael Flynn, R.I.P. Dude. <laughs> you know, who, I'm sure he'll turn up on Fox as who, some sort of commentator. Who cares about him? He was never qualified to be the National Security Advisor to begin with, uh, in my opinion. Uh, But, you know, the real damage, one of the real damaging things that happened last week was Donald Trump signed a uh, deregulation uh, bill that allows orange water in Kentucky. It allows the mining companies to dump their waste into the streams. This is what's really going on. And this is what's frightening about Donald Trump. He doesn't get it. And how anybody in coal country can think, oh, this is a boost
1: for us the little guy who work here yeah. in coal country
0: no this is a slap in the face of your children this is orange water dude it matches your your face um and it yeah it's just uh, remarkable uh, what is going on and how this is is going to turn out. Well, this
1: uh, front page story in today's paper about this backdoor Ukrainian plan. Oh, yeah. I suspect we're just beginning to hear about this. Uh, This involves some longtime associates of the president, including his own personal lawyer and a couple of uh, shady businessmen who've had mob ties. And it's essentially freelance foreign policy. Yeah. And, hey, here's something we can do that'll help a couple of guys we know in the Ukraine get some power and some business connections. And, oh, by the way, Putin thinks this is good,
0: too. And um, it'll be great. Well, and also let's remember that the FBI is investigating Paul Manafort and Roger Stone. Uh, Those are two of the three names. All you need to know about Roger Stone, by the way, a close Trump associate, is that this is a guy that worked for Nixon, He was in the dirty tricks department. He was in the sabotage disinformation department that was part of the committee to reelect the president. And I dare say that we saw a lot of that here in southeast Michigan. Has the graffiti at EMU or at the University of Michigan been pinpointed on any people? Mm. Uh, Drain the swamp. Been been looking into, into any of this stuff? You think Jeffrey Sessions, our new attorney general, is going to investigate any of this stuff? I don't. He's Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions. He's got to show show up to Tara and make an appearance with Gone with the Wind.